0: Well, Brad, there it is. I Shot the Sheriff, one of the great hits from Los Lobos, I believe, in the late 1970s. Um, After last week's episode, a lot of people up in arms about uh, President Kennedy's death, the death of the ferrets. Um, A lot of people are just up in arms in general. So we thought maybe the best way to bring us into this episode with this live studio audience would be to um, go with that great uh, song from that I believe it was originally a mariachi band, if I'm not mistaken.
1: It may have been. I'm not familiar with the mariachi version, but I could see it. I could see it having been a mariachi tune, um, although the sheriff's name, John Brown, you know, does not lend itself to kind of a mariachi vibe, but you could do it. As a good mariachi band, you could do it.
0: Yeah. Anyway, exciting stuff, Brad. Uh, welcome back. You've got David Pridham and Brad Sheaf here, a live studio audience, many people with many questions. No newspaper, Brad. No clicking no InstaFace. The only news that you need to consume is something you'll get right here from your good friends, David Pridham and Brad Sheaf.
1: Buddy, that is sort of the core of why we're here. Answer all the important questions on a weekly basis, give you what you need to know to run your small business confidently and successfully. And people are moving ever more towards the edge of their seats as they wait for us to dive into that and not wanting anyone to slide off. We should just start.
0: We should start. But first, Brad, we have to do a little housekeeping. Oh, housekeeping. Tell everyone they can learn more about our big program on our website, ipfrequently.com. Follow us on Instagram at underscore at ip underscore frequently. And you catch us here each week. Um, People are very excited. So, should we just go ahead and dive into the two big news items of the week that every small business owner needs to know about in order to get through the week uh, with their business intact? first brad the number one story everyone is talking about the olympics everyone is excited the olympics are here beijing olympics communist china uh the medal update right now i believe norway has four medals and they are in the lead the u.s has none but this could change during the the program and if it does we're going to report it good i'm all for it anything is possible and so far we've heard that the olympics in beijing are falling short short of expectations they're calling it the olympic gulag i guess there are hellish quarantines being imposed on uh, olympians who test positive miserable food um one of the athletes who was in quarantine said all hope is dead that's a quote
1: (laughs) that's a quote (laughs) doesn't sound positive but i mean i'm no (laughs) linguist but it doesn't sound positive
0: dozens of athletes have missed out on their events after testing positive and they've been carted off to isolation camps. It doesn't exactly sound like uh, the, uh, the congeniality of ancient Greece and what Peter Uber did in Los Angeles in 1984. It seems a little bit different.
1: Yeah, no, this may have been the Olympics to, you know, sort of take a pass kind of look down the road and say, you know, maybe I'll shoot for 2026 Um, I do feel bad for all the Olympians from all across the world who put, obviously, I mean, I don't care where you're from or who you are, you put a lot of time and effort into qualifying for something like the Olympics. And obviously, it's a dream come true for everybody who's ever achieved it. And boom, now you're in the communist Chinese Olympic gulag, um, you know, apparently not eating particularly well and then just disappearing into the night should you test positive for COVID. And, uh, you know, I mean, uh, the the whole thing just seems, you know, to have fallen short of expectations. Although I did appreciate Vladimir Putin pretending to be taking a nap when the athletes from the Ukraine uh, walked into the stadium during the opening ceremonies. That was great. That was classic Vlad.
0: This could very well be the Ukraine's last Olympics.
1: Uh, Well, yeah. I mean, unfortunately, you've got Putin knocking on the door and the only one standing between him And rolling across the Ukraine is one sleepy Joe Biden. And I don't think Putin probably sees him as much of an impediment. That would be my guess.
0: Well, listen, we'll continue. And the audience has been clamoring for it. I I do think there are a couple of uh, people in the audience that haven't started drinking yet. They're just focused on the uh, big uh, tally board. So we'll continue to uh, update the board. And we have just learned, Brad, that the Congo... Has placed uh, third place, bronze medal in 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 curling. So the Congo has placed in curling. It's not something you'd expect.
1: No, certainly I wouldn't. But then again, I don't follow Congolese curling. I do like the alliterative effect of saying it, Congolese curling. Um, but I don't follow it. So maybe you know, for years and years, the Congolese have been dominant. I just don't know that.
0: Yeah. So again, we'll keep you tabs on that. People will be updated. Next, Brad, Joe Rogan, the number one podcaster in all of uh, America and really in the free world. Um, I think he has 100 million uh, people listening to his podcast each uh, each and every week, which is pretty insane. Um, but, uh, I guess Joe Rogan's come into a little bit of trouble, both in terms of the content of his podcast, uh, related to COVID-19. He is, uh, he, he has not been vaccinated. He has um, had a lot of people on who have advocated not being vaccinated, especially for kids. Um, and, uh, you know, he's on Spotify. He's made some, he's, I think he's made a hundred million plus on his deal there, but they've taken down at Spotify about, uh, um, I, I think more than a hundred 15 episodes, uh, historic episodes. Uh, they've also uh, obviously seen a bunch of uh, what you some would call talent, some would call artists. Others would not. Neil Young, uh, Brad, that uh, that uh, woman from the Mamas and the Papas. Uh, not sure what her name is. Not sure it really matters. Have taken their music down from Spotify. And um, now the latest pot, the latest uh, controversy is this, uh, I guess, some old inappropriate comments made by uh, um, Rogan regarding race. And it's led to a lot of people to say, look, it's time to just take him down, deplatform him and, uh, you know, and uh, sort of move on with uh, somebody else, like uh, maybe one of the talking heads from CNN. Um, Brad, what do you think about this? Should Joe Rogan be
1: deplatformed? you know what i i don't care and i don't think joe rogan cares right like on joe rogan's behalf i don't care i guess it's also true that i don't care i really don't i i happen not to be one of the 100 million people who listen to him because ironically i don't typically listen to podcasts um but I, i i can't imagine joe rogan caring of the 100 million people who listen to joe rogan i'm going to assume that all but three of them do it voluntarily and on purpose those other 3 are being held in a non-disclosed location and subjected to his podcast all the rest of them are volunteering to listen to it because they like it and no matter where he goes they will continue to like it and they will continue to listen right he wasn't he's only been on spotify what maybe a year and he had all 100 million of those listeners before he got on that platform And Spotify, frankly, are fools for kowtowing. Neil Young became irrelevant when you and I were both young and sprightly. Who cares what Neil Young thinks? How many listeners, what percentage of Joe Rogan's listeners are Neil Young? Right. So even if you're just a complete mercenary at Spotify, you don't care about right, wrong, truth, lies, none of that you're just looking at the bottom line. It makes no sense to care what Neil Young or some other octogenarian quote-unquote artist thinks, right? That just makes no sense. But even if you do care about truth, my understanding is, is I dug into this a little bit, right? Because I thought, well, okay, what the hell's going on here? I mean, obviously, I know Joe Rogan is popular. He has had the audacity in this day and age to bring on people with a view that runs contrary to that held by the cancel culture, right? These people are actual doctors, okay? They don't appear to be quacks. They're not, you know, crazy people. He has brought on published, you know, doctors who have been published in peer-reviewed journals who hold patents relevant to, who hold patents in mRNA vaccine technology. Right. And he's brought them on and just let them say what they think. I mean, so I don't know that Rogan is necessarily advocating for one position or another. Maybe he is. He's, uh, he says he's not been vaccinated. Good for him. I don't care. I think that should be a choice that people make. But, you know, this is the problem with our culture today. Right. Is that if you bring out a position that runs contrary to the liberal woke cancel culture, then this is what happens And then you've got these Velveeta-spined corporate bigwigs who... How you can look at Neil Young and give a crap about what comes out of that guy's mouth, I don't know. But apparently they do. And now they're trying to have their cake and eat it too, right? Because they've spent all this money on Joe Rogan, but they're trying to kowtow to these people. If I was at Spotify, I would just be giving the double middle finger to everybody and saying, you don't want to listen? Don't. Right? There'll be 100 million people who listen to this you know, every time the guy puts out a show, I don't know how often he does it, there'll be a hundred million people listening to it, which is probably a hundred million times more than regularly listen to Neil Young. All Rogan is doing is giving people an opportunity to hear both sides of a story, but that has literally become a crime in yep. this country, right? You either subscribe to the liberal narrative or you should be, you know, completely, well, in this case, deplatformed, but robbed of your ability to make a living doing what you do and shunned from society because you haven't subscribed to what is now, buddy, a crumbling narrative about the efficacy of the vaccines as well as the danger of COVID 19. I mean, all of that that has been preached to us. For the last couple of years, is literally crumbling. I mean, I'm sure you're going to talk about, it, but Johns Hopkins, the same people that published the terrifying red dot map, have now come out and said, "Yeah, all these lockdowns, craziness, right? And yeah, it completely yeah, yeah. doesn't work. Ruins the economy, destroys children's education. It's a terrible idea."
0: And I'm not saying obviously there are some of the things he said, um, like the use of racial slurs, which we both abhor, and we, you know, that's not that's not appropriate. Um, and leave it to him to defend that. But in terms of what's happening here, it's someone who has a contrarian viewpoint, who is um, speaking out against some of the craziness that the government um, has imposed on us. And they're trying to just shut them down. That's just the, literally the way things work now. There is no Free debate. I mean, that Dr. Malone, who's the inventor of the original nine mRNA patents, was on, and they pulled that episode, um, and uh, because he's 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 actually talking about the fact that we should maybe take a step back and, and and look at some studies before we start vaccinating all of our children, especially when there are some potential real you know dangers out there. Um, and and we should be we should be sure, which I, to me is a reasonable viewpoint. You know, the kids are not dying of this. Kids are not getting very sick. I mean, obviously, there are marginal cases, but they're not right. I mean, we are literally in a society where you have to be lockstep. And if you're not, you'll be deplatformed. And I, I really hope he's not. Now, if he is, Brad, if
1: he is, there is a home for him right here. Right. Oh, we'd happily have Joe on. And like you said, I mean, there's a there's a ocean of difference. Between using an epithet or a slur and presenting a contrarian viewpoint, right? And so, if Joe reaches out and contacts us, which is you know certainly within the realm of possibility, we'll have to discuss with him that. Uh, but we're happy to have him on and present a contrarian viewpoint. And I, I, I buddy, I just I, I wonder, right? The, everyone's heard the old maxim: the squeaky wheel gets the grease. Everybody gets it. I honestly wonder what percentage of people are offended by Joe Rogan presenting a contrarian viewpoint and what percentage are actually enjoying being able to listen to something that doesn't come, you know, from state-run television. Right? And I imagine it, it the those that are complaining are a fraction of those who are interested in honestly hearing viewpoints because by and large Americans are not stupid. By and large Americans want to hear the facts. And make decisions for themselves, but these corporate executives just suck. They Hack. cannot get Hack. out of their own way. They're hacks. They're cowards, and 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 they'll be their own ruination. I mean, again, I just don't understand yeah. the idea of pulling someone who's got a hundred million listeners so that you can have a song Neil Young wrote before you and I were born on your platform.
0: Next, Brad. Um, big news, um, real quick. We uh, got word that. Nancy Pelosi, your uh, friend and mine, 81 year old California Democrat, who I believe has been in Congress for 114 years, has posted to her Twitter that our democracy is at risk because of the assaults on the truth by people like Joe Rogan, the assaults on the U.S. Capitol. The greatest insurrection since the War of the Roses, Brad, uh, she is running for re-election because her work is not done. Uh, Do you think that's a positive development for the people that have toiled in their small business during her reign of terror
1: well sure right because at least you know where she is right i mean if, if you're going to have somebody like nancy pelosi in your world and unfortunately all of us drawing breath at this point in time do mm-hmm. right nancy pelosi is unfortunately a fact you want to know where she is because she is not just incompetent she's dangerously and unpredictably incompetent and the only place where that, can, that kind of dangerous, unpredictable incompetence can be mitigated is Congress, because that is the only place. She would be a blinding light of incompetence in any other group of people. But if you put her in the United States Congress, she just sort of blends right in, right? And so the upside to having her there is, one, you know where she is. She's not behind you. She's not you know, sneaking into your small business and ruining it with her incompetence she's in congress where you know where she is and she's by and large harmless there because you know her incompetence is offset by someone else's incompetence on the other side of any particular issue none of those people know what they're talking about it is borderline comedy that pelosi can picture herself as an arbiter of the truth any truth right the truth as to whether or not She is wearing socks at this point in time is something that she would struggle to come up with. But the fact that she has placed herself as the arbiter of truth with respect to a virus or its mitigation is borderline comedy. And where you want people like that is not someplace they can cause real damage. You want them in the United States Congress where they can't.
0: Yeah, so listen, um, we wish her well. Obviously, she's uh, doing... Uh, whatever she's doing i'm not i'm not exactly sure but i'll tell you what there 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 aren't many opportunities to uh bring in a sprite 81 year old for re-election and let her just you know run it back and that's uh what she's gonna do you have to respect it brad um we may not like it it may not be good for anyone involved um but you know the
1: reality is it keeps her busy yeah I'm sure she'll have some bright new ideas i mean most 81 year olds do Correct,
0: Brad. Natural segue next. Questions remain, Brad. We And again, we, we we promise people that we're going to be the arbiters of truth here. Um, we update you weekly on the uh, giant asteroid the size of Dallas Cowboys Stadium hurtling towards Earth. That is still on a collision course, but we have our DART program ready to knock it off. Of course, which just nudge it a little bit of skosh. Um, but questions remain, Brad, after the highway crash involving the uh, 100 monkeys um, in Pennsylvania. Um, we don't have an update on the missing monkey yet, but we do know that the woman who got close to the scattered crates of monkeys on the highway and interacted with monkey feces continues to be treated for possible symptoms of illness. Brad, we do have an update that Kenya Airways um, has, uh, th- this is the airline, obviously, Kenya Airways, the safe way to fly. Um, uh, They are understood to have transported all these monkeys to the US as part of a program to bring monkeys here for research. They've decided not to renew uh, their expiring contract to ship research primates to the United States Um, so far. No other uh, reports of possible illness related to the crash have emerged, probably because most people stayed away from the monkey feces. But experts do warn, Brad, uh, that direct exposure to monkey saliva and or feces uh, could be dangerous. And I think, to paraphrase, uh, it's not what you're looking for.
1: No, none of that is what you're looking for. I'm not really sure why Kenya Airways has made this decision. It's my understanding that they're not responsible in any way for what happened on the highway. Um, but I do think it is probably self-evident to most of our listeners that one should not parade through monkey poop while swapping mm-hmm. spit with one of the producers of said poop. And
0: here's and the woman, Michelle Fallon of Danville, Pennsylvania, um, was given two doses of a rabies vaccine Antiviral medication and eye drops. Uh, after she had symptoms, including a runny nose, a cough, filmy buildup, and crust in her left eye, she also vomited over the weekend. Last weekend, Brad, possibly because of the antiviral medication, also possibly because uh, of the whole, you know, just knowledge that she interacted with monkey feces. But we do, we do wish her well. The monkey um, is uh, the one monkey that got away is still. Still on the loose. But look, um, maybe it's a pet now. I I don't know. Um, I, I guess uh, at some point we'll uh we'll find out. But God bless us bless this woman. It looks like she's on the road to recovery. Look, the good news is, Brad, at least she's not in Nancy Pelosi's district.
1: No, that's good news for anyone who is not in Nancy Pelosi's district. I mean, if if in fact we should take a brief moment here for all of us who happen not to be in Nancy Pelosi's congressional district to just give thanks. For that small favor,
0: yeah, I think that's uh, I think that's exactly right. And I mean, some would say you'd be better off being represented by the by the monkey. Uh, next, Brad, COVID corner um, uh, first. Our friends to the great white north, Canada, Ottawa has been shut down uh, completely um, by the truckers. Remember, the truckers have um, I do I remember have basically parked a thousand vehicles in downtown Ottawa, and the um, Prime Minister Premier. Is he a premier?
1: I don't I don't know the answer to that. I think he's the prime minister. Justine Trudeau he's
0: in hiding with COVID, Brad, with COVID. Um, but uh, apparently uh they are now um uh the truckers are raising money, they've raised over four and a half million dollars in GoFundMe funds. Um, and uh people are they're getting very nervous about the constant honking of the trucker horns in downtown Ottawa. And um, but it looks like people are starting to turn this whole COVID thing around. Uh, here in the U.S, uh, the numbers are going down, down, down both in terms of uh, cases and we're we're testing everywhere. I mean, we've probably tested this poor woman with the monkey feces 10 or 12 times. Everyone's getting tested. Um, the cases are going down, the deaths are way down. And uh, it, it almost looks like at least with respect to the Omicron variant, Um, there may be light at the end of the tunnel?
1: Well, surprise, surprise. Everybody gets it. Everybody gets over it. Everybody builds natural immunity, which has been going on for the entire history of mankind and viruses. Viruses were on first, obviously, then us. We have learned to fight them off. We have a good capacity for doing that. And that is what we are doing.
0: Exactly right. And now, uh, Brad, the CDC has come out again with updated mask guidance. Uh, They have said, and this is coming out of a University of Cambridge study that finds that when you are wearing a regular face mask covered up with a pantyhose, face mask a panty and women's women's pantyhose brad those are stockings that women wear when they're going out of the town with their man um and some men wear them as well again they're very comfortable they give you support um apparently that is the, the new recommended way to um most insulate yourself from the uh the omicron variant uh so you'd wear a regular mask and then a pantyhose mask on top of it
1: that's perfect because then you can also rob a bank Yeah, I mean, you're you're Omicron-free, you can go out and rustle up a little bit of cash by going into the bank while you have a pantyhose over your head, it's a time-honored tradition that I think we can combine with pandemic mitigation, and therefore, I am all for it. Now, you want to choose your pantyhose wisely, some have a seam down the back, which is very sexy. Um, but is uncomfortable if you're robbing a bank. Plus, you don't want to position it in front of one eye or the other, then you can't see. Some have a pattern that can cause depth perception problems. So there's a lot to think about here. It's not just as simple as whipping out a pantyhose and slapping it over your head. Um, but I think if you get it right, it provides an opportunity for killing two birds with one stone.
0: Yep. Yeah, absolutely, Brad. So there, there's our COVID update. Go out, get your um, you know, get your panty. Hose. And, um, you know, you should be, you should be fine. I mean, the government again is there to help you next. Um, you know, one of our great, uh, hubs of listeners is in Iowa. Really? Mm-hmm. Des Moines, Iowa, Iowa city, Iowa city, Des Moines, uh, wow. big, big hubs of, yes. uh, of fans. Um, uh, well, tragedy struck Brad in Iowa. Um, uh, when an Iowa man uh, killed his best friend in a fight over mayonnaise. And I thought we should address that because it obviously, you know, it's not like you and I are ever going to fight over a condiment. Um, No, but this is tragic. So Christopher Earl Blocker apparently used his truck to ram his best friend, Caleb Solberg, outside a cafe in the small town of Pishka, Iowa. Pishka, Iowa, Brad, again, that's near Des Moines, uh, not quite uh, south, but more east of Des Moines. Mm-hmm. Uh, but apparently the two had been out drinking in a bar. Nothing ever good comes to that, by the way, um, in, in Moorhead, Iowa, another great town where we have a lot of listeners and a fan club. Um, things took a turn when uh, Earl Bacher spread mayonnaise on Solberg's foot. Okay. Spread it on Solberg's foot. Happens all the time, buddy. Happens
1: yeah. all the time.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I think I think you did that to me at my wedding.
1: I may have the, the, my recollection of your wedding is a little fuzzy, but we won't go into that at this point.
0: Yeah. And apparently that sparked a big bar fight. And then he uh, jumped in his car, um, went outside of the cafe. He rammed his truck into, um, the, uh, the other person's car and then the other person got out that he ran the person over about five or six times. I guess the first blow didn't kill him. Um, but he just kept on, backing him over. And again, listen, what sets some people off, sets some people off. You can't really blame someone when you're spreading mayonnaise on their foot. They're going to get upset. It
1: wasn't a spicy mustard.
0: Oh yeah. Can you imagine? Or, or ketchup, ketchup. He'd still be running
1: over the poor guy.
0: Anyway, anyway, Brad, we just thought we'd mention that shout out to everyone in Iowa, all of our fans. Sorry to hear about that. And I do believe one of these guys was in one of our fan clubs. So again, you know it's not exactly what we're looking for brad but uh
1: well you know know, fortunately the cancel culture has moved to cancel mayonnaise at this point the democratic party is putting forth some bills to make mayonnaise a controlled substance especially within the borders of iowa and so again you know we'll see our government handle this appropriately you know never with overkill never with a knee-jerk reaction always with measured steady research-driven progress And so I would say if you have a jar of mayonnaise and you are in Iowa, those two things simultaneously, you're going to want to be careful with that and perhaps, you know, hoard it a little bit, but not too long, because goodness knows you put bad mayonnaise on a sandwich and you will regret that. Yeah, a
0: sandwich is a sandwich, but a manwich is a meal, right?
1: That's correct. Always has been.
0: Yeah, always, always will be. Next, Brad, our big new segment, we got a lot of great uh, feedback on our segment with our good friend, the lone gunman, Rob Clark, uh, last week where we solved the JFK assassination once and for all We're to the point where no one has to talk about it anymore. Uh, this week, Brad, we, we're, we're sort of featuring a new mystery in our unsolved mysteries um, category. Right. And mm-hmm. as promised this week, we're going to get to the bottom of the. 1972 carly simon song you're so vain and who it's about yeah um obviously you're so vain really a bellwether song written by carly simon in 1971 but not released until 72. now that that to me as someone who's investigating a mystery is suspicious
1: well that's something that throws a lot of people off right because you start to think the first time you hear the song. And I remember the first time I heard the song. I was four years old. I was in the back of my parents' station wagon wearing no seat belts, certainly not in a car seat, kind of bouncing around with my two-year-old brother and and throwing, you know, objects around the back as was typically done in 1972, and yet somehow we all survived.
0: No one was throwing feces though. No monkey feces. No, there was
1: no monkey. And none of that it was the seventies, buddy. It was a more reasonable, rational time in every respect, with the exception of clothing. I mean, if you're not, if you weren't around during the seventies, go back and look at some pictures of it's, That was just a complete mistake. But music was exceptional. Carly Simon's "You're So Vain" also exceptional. But when you hear it for the first time in 1972, you begin to think, oh, she must be talking about a recent acquaintance but not necessarily. So my friend, because it was written more than a year earlier.
0: Yeah, exactly. So it's all, it's all kind of like up in the air who this is about. Obviously you're so vain. It's, it's about a vain boyfriend or, or girlfriend. I don't know. Yeah, we don't know, Um, but the, but again, we're not, we're not here just to give you a mystery and walk away, right? That's not what we do here. We solve problems. Again, we mean business. Okay, Uh, if we weren't solving these things, no one would be taking down notes like everyone is here in the studio audience. So the people that it could be, right, because we don't know who the song is about, because you probably think the song is about you. You're so vain, right? Mm -hmm. So who could it be about? So the people that we've got, we've narrowed the list, we've narrowed the list. Um, Mick Jagger is one who apparently um, actually contributed background vocals to the song. Who knew that? Um, So you got Mick Jagger, David Bowie, David Cassidy of the Partridge family, David Cassidy. Back in the 70s, he was the equivalent of, um, I mean, to think about it in today's terms, like a Justin Timberlake meets like Justin Trudeau type character, like really, 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 really important. I mean, you had Tiger Beat magazine, right, under your bed?
1: Maybe. I I never looked under my bed. It was, you know, there were scary stuff going on there. Cat Stevens.
0: Chris Christopherson and the great Warren Beatty. Now I had to first look, cause I, I guess it was Warren Beatty. Is it Ned Beatty? Is it Warren Beatty? Is it Ned? I guess it was Warren Beatty. And so the question is, who is the song about? And uh, obviously Brad, you and I have done some homework and we've come up with an answer for the folks.
1: Uh, good. Yeah. I'm sure people are looking for that answer. I, I have some thoughts myself, um, but how would you like to, you know, sort of do the unveiling?
0: Well, I mean, I think you should just tell everybody what we've come up with. I mean, look, and again, this is every week we're going to solve another mystery and then drop it. Right. JFK solved this week. Carly Simon solved. Next week could be the Yeti. Right. Loch next.
1: I don't know. Loch Ness. Who knows? The, the sort of uh, thermos like drinking container Yeti or the more like the Bigfoot tromping around in the Himalayas Yeti.
0: Exactly. The latter, the latter, the big, the oh, big okay. monster, yeah. the big creature. All right. Yeah.
1: All right. Who, I'm looking forward to that.
0: Who, again, when he was last seen, I believe he was being hunted by uh, Steve Austin, the six million dollar man.
1: Who, with Biden's inflation, would be up close to a billion at this point. Mm-hmm. I think he
0: is in Bitcoin. Uh, so, Brad, go ahead and reveal who the song did. Do you want to go ahead and reveal for everyone there? are A lot of anxious faces here.
1: Well, it's obviously Cat Stevens.
0: There you go. Peace Train, Cat Stevens. It makes sense. Uh, he has not removed his uh, music from uh, Spotify recently. Um, so, you know, I, I don't know. He could be doing it soon. I don't even know if he's still alive. But there you go. It's Cat Stevens. So the Peace Train was one good song.
1: It was one good song. There are, you know, arguably there are a number of decent Cat Stevens songs. But when you're born, Steven Georgiou. Mm-hmm. And you change your name to Yusuf Islam, the only reason for that can be because you're trying to avoid the stigma that would be applied to you if people knew that you were the subject of your Sylvain.
0: Exactly, exactly. And, uh, you know, again, we're here to solve mysteries, not opine on Mr. Stevens song catalog or anything like that but you know it is what it is and next week we'll move on to another mystery that's another one solved we're two for two lastly in this segment brad rip report the late great dr johnny fever howard hessman wkrp in cincinnati baby you and me were never meant to be just baby think of me once in a while he's gone on to that great radio station in the sky Um, really, along with Venus Flytrap, probably the best one-two duo of DJs in the history of one-two duos of DJs.
1: No, no question. I mean, again, everybody remembers the Thanksgiving episode. No one told me that turkeys could not fly. Johnny Fever, buddy, was amazing. And, uh, you know, he's sort of been a foundational influence on this program.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely right, except for the hygiene. I never really got over the hygiene, Um, but uh, great show. I think they're all dead now. I know Gordon Jump is dead. Uh, Is Lonnie Anderson still alive? I don't know that. I don't know. That could be – there's an
1: example, Brad, of one of the mysteries. Yeah, Yeah, we can solve that. Is Lonnie Anderson alive?
0: We can solve that um, uh, down the the line, but, uh, Brad, next. uh, We uh, obviously had that big display in New York. You literally had thousands of New York police officers who have been just vilified over the past year by this defund the police movement, who actually came out to the funeral, stood with the dead, uh, their dead comrade, and um, you know, actually came out and said, you know, we're just not going to take this anymore. There's a new mayor in New York who's sort of turning around the atrocious policies of the last mayor who was um, very, very hostile to police, but your favorite, Brad, is uh, uh, actress Susan Sarandon, who is um, you know one of the uh, one of the great uh, you know great actresses of all time. Great uh, advocate for the moral good. Um, she took the picture of all the police officers lined up on the street watching the hurts uh, go by and said, "I'm going to tell my kids that this is what fascism uh, looks like." And she also said, so if all these cops weren't needed for crime that day, uh, that doesn't that mean they aren't needed any day? Um, good old Susan Sarandon, Brad, always seems to um, put her foot in her mouth.
1: Yep. Yeah. Well, she's obviously a moron, right? And so we're going to give her a bit of a break because, well, she's a moron, right? Mm-hmm. And so obviously doesn't understand how any of this works. Clearly to Susan Sarandon, you know, mourning for a fallen comrade, a colleague, family member, servant of the public, uh, is fascism, so she needs to look that word up, right? And, and it's spelled a little oddly. I don't want to ruin your opportunity for education here, Susan, so I'm not going to tell you how to spell it, but I will tell you there's an SC combination in there that might throw you for a loop. OK, so be careful when you go to look it up, right? But you should look that up, and then maybe you won't sound like an idiot when you type in your little characters into the uh, the, the tweeter machine there and, and just effing stop it. Isn't her 15 minutes up? I mean, she was fine in Bull Durham. She wasn't great. I, I lack the capacity, I guess, to understand what motivates people like Susan Sarandon.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, listen, I think uh, she doesn't get out much. And uh, there's another woman who could probably use some time with the monkey feces and monkey saliva, and maybe that'll teach her a lesson or two who knows uh next brad we go to our woke report where we talk about all things woke this week georgia georgia um in the uh, in the news Georgia cyber academy um has uh come, this is a charter school public school um has uh come out with a new project where it's asked all the white students in the class to um Write from the perspective of a white settler, sort of like we remember time machine. We do time machine. Yeah, I've done that in a while. Actually, they put these kids in a time machine and they told the white kids to write from the perspective of a white settler around 1830. When, uh, of course, President Andrew Jackson, people's choice, uh, signed the Indian Removal Act, which obviously impacted many Native Americans, also known as Indians. It basically asked the students from the perspective of a white uh, settler to justify the forced relocation. Um, And then it asked the minority students to write from the perspective of the uh, Cherokee nation, explaining why they should not be forced to move. Um, So, again, that's probably an assignment that's a little inappropriate, right, for a uh, third or fourth grader in this uh, Georgia public school. But it does show how... The woke mob, the woke mob is controlling uh, the curriculum at a lot of public schools. And again, uh, probably should uh, should be called out and probably should be taken down as an assignment.
1: I mean, it's just so dumb, right? But again, keep it up, woke folk, keep it up, right? Because the more that things like this happen, the more alienated the vast majority of Americans of any race, creed, color, persuasion, etc., are going to become. You're talking about messing with people's children, all right? I, I mean, you may get punched in the mouth if you pop off about a guy's wife. You are for sure going to get punched in the mouth if you pop off about a guy's kid. Again, I don't care what persuasion you are. And when you subject children to that degree of nonsense, then you are simply asking to be dismissed out of hand, right? So whatever, you know, good that wokeness might be able to bring about, and and I don't know what that would be, but let's, you know, for the sake of the argument, say there is some good that could come about from wokeness, you are trampling all over it. When you do stuff like this,
0: we, uh we will continue to monitor again. We're doing this for you out there in the, um here in the studio audience and beyond, but next Brad, we have to move on because this is a huge week in, um in the United K right. Uh, United kingdom. Some would say England, jolly old England, the queen, Queen Elizabeth, right? 70 years her diamond jubilee, Brad, her diamond jubilee, 70 years she's been the monarch. She lost her beloved Prince Philip, who tragically died, I think, at the age of 98 last year um, after a good hot run. Um, but she's still 95 years old. Diamond jubilee. Um, it, it is uh, I mean, she she's served through a world war, right, two prime ministerships of Winston Churchill, the Thatcher years and the rape trial of her son prince andrew uh, the dolphin prince so um brad uh, what do you think do you think that uh this is uh 70 and then we move on to another 70 or do, you do what, what do you think about the queen and, and her um uh, ability to sort of transcend uh, um, all of these tragedies in her family and rule england with a velvet glove
1: Well, buddy, the queen is timeless, all right? You know, you and I, neither one of us are big royal watchers. Uh, We happen to live here in the United States of America, and so that's not high on our list. But in fairness, the queen is timeless. And obviously, I I have never seen her in person, so I only see her in pictures. But I greatly admire what I see in pictures because she's always looking at the camera like the guy holding it can just go F himself. Yeah. And so I applaud that regal in a monarch. Right, I mean, she's three and a half feet tall. She's got this brilliant white hair. She's forever wearing dresses that were manufactured sometime in her youth and looking at everybody like they can just suck it. And I applaud that. If you're going to have a queen, that's the kind of queen you want to have. I am a little bit bemused. I always thought that 75 years was your diamond jubilee, but I am willing to credit back to the queen five years and let her celebrate it on 70. Because I I think quite frankly, if you've had to put up with all the crap she has had to put up with, uh, you should get like a five-year credit on your diamond Jubilee. It's
0: like a fast forward type deal. But I'll tell you what, the interesting thing is, if you look back at her career, um, when she shared a hot dog with Frank Drebin and then was almost killed, by one Reggie Jackson, the, the guy who the Reggie Bar was based on. Mm-hmm. Um, that was extraordinary, extraordinary. And she lived through it um, and uh, she's thriving. Now, Brad, she's made other news this week, because when you do have your diamond jubilee, you have to, I believe, grant three wishes, right? Sort of like a genie. If you rub the bottle.
1: Oh, okay, you know, I didn't you, know that.
0: You, yeah, so, she, so she's out and about granting these three wishes. Wishes, And I guess the first one is obviously Prince Charles lover, Camilla Parker Bowles, the Duchess of Cornhole, Brad. Um, She has now been given the um, given the um, uh, consent from the queen to become the queen consort. And and this is something that she uh, gave in her Diamond Jubilee speech. Uh, so so the Duchess of Cornwall will no longer be the Duchess of Cornwall. She will be the queen consul. You'll, you can call her Queen Camellia, right? Um, when Prince Charles becomes King Charles, right? This and I is don't never going to
1: happen because the queen ain't giving up the throne.
0: Well, th- that leads me to my next point. There is a report out there that the queen is set to stand down next year. That would be 2023, right? The year of our lord. Um and let Charles become King Charles. And then Camilla would be the the Duchess of Corn would be the Queen, right? And she's going to um apparently wear the Queen Mother's priceless 1937 crown containing c- containing the koh I Noor diamond. So she's gonna wear that at the big ceremony, yeah. At the ceremony, and um and and all this time, um You know, the woke warriors of Brexit, Harry and Meghan, have not formally congratulated the queen on her diamond jubilee. So a lot to unpack there. But uh, the good news is you have Queen Camilla. The woke uh, Brexit has not congratulated the queen. And so, you know, who knows where we go from here?
1: Well, I mean, it's fitting that she will no longer be the Duchess of Cornhole so that Meghan Markle can be the Duchess of A-Hole right i mean again talk about being the most self-focused human being on earth if you had a decent bone in your body right i mean i don't care what you think about the queen she's been at it for 70 years she may not have been the world's greatest mom she may not have raised you know prize-winning children there i certainly must she, kill the queen <laughs> certainly she holds some responsibility but i i You know, I mean, 70 years of being a monarch is something that you could at least, you know, maybe get your thumbs a little active for on your little tweet box there and send out a, hey, you know, 70 years, a long time, good job kind of a thing. But not, you know, I mean, that's just too much to expect from those two doofuses. So, you know, it is what it is, buddy. I'm not a fan of her abdicating the throne. I think she should stay on that rascal as long as she possibly can. Yes. Um, because no one wants to see Charles become the king. I, first of all, I don't want to see there being a vacuum at the Duchess of Cornhole wow. spot. I'm not yep. sure who's going to fill that. No one wants <laughs> to see Charles as the king. Let's just jump right to William. He seems like a decent human being, and uh, you know, <laughs> see what he can do with the monarchy, if he even gets a chance, uh, because it's taken a couple of you know holes below the waterline here in the last couple of years. But I, I think she should hang on, pal. I mean, again, look at her. That is, the, you know, they used to call Margaret Thatcher the iron, uh, you know, lady. I don't know, man. I think it's yeah, got to no, be she's, the queen.
0: She's terrific. I I'm, I'm, i couldn't agree more. I hope she doesn't abdicate. And I like the Duchess of Cornhole where she's at. Uh, finally, Brad, Barter Band, our Bronze Stevie Award winning segment, Barter Band. It's where you and I talk about all things that should be barred or banned or, or maybe we decide not to at all. So this week, Brad, we've got obviously the big conflicts in Congress and, and we talked about the great Nancy Pelosi running for re-election at 81. Um, one thing of interest is that her net worth now tops 100 million. She's amassed over 30 million in technology stocks in the last eight years, according to her financial disclosures. Many other members of Congress continue to uh, trade in stock. And at the same time, you've got other leaders of Congress like Chuck Schumer, the great senator from New York, the leader of the Senate Democrats, uh, Brad. His children are he's got two young girls, young, 50s, maybe 60s, 70s. Uh, One of them works uh, as a lobbyist at Amazon. The other is a um, uh, an executive at Facebook or also known as Meta, Meta, Brad. Um, And the question is, should these conflicts of interest be allowed to arise? Should uh, members of Congress be able to trade in stocks and uh, feather their nest? And should the um, uh, close family members of members in Congress be allowed to work for some of these mega corporations that seek to lobby these members on a daily basis?
1: Oh, well, money I mean, I think everybody knows the answer to that, right? But I, here's one thing I I have never been able to understand. Right. And so you and I are on record as having been critical of the former administration as well as the current administration. I mean, Trump has all kinds of issues that we're not going to go into now that, you know, perhaps should preclude one from public office. But again, that's not our call. But here's something I've never understood. Right. Everybody was up in arms about getting that guy's taxes right his his tax filings because of all the money he made while well, at the same time everyone agreeing well he made all that money when he wasn't in government right that cat was in government for four years and that's it right and after he made all of his money but suddenly everyone wants to see his tax returns why are we not just going equally if not more nuts overseeing the tax returns so if people who have done nothing but be in government theoretically as public servants, and made millions of dollars. So the answer to your question is, the trading of stock by people who have insider knowledge, whoever they may be, to include members of Congress, should be barred and or banned. I'm not against them you know, having estates and having people manage their estates. I'm not saying you should go broke because you choose to be in Congress, but I mean, you put them in a blind trust, let somebody else manage it, et cetera, et cetera, right? So that should clearly be barred or banned. But while we're on the topic, if we're gonna go after the tax returns of folks who have made money in private industry, we should certainly go after the tax returns of people who have made all their money while in Congress. Yep,
0: I couldn't agree more. I think it should be barred and banned both even as egregious, I mean, you should certainly look at the tax returns of all these people and their financial statements should be, they they shouldn't be allowed to do anything other than put things into a fund and not actively trade it. But having immediate family members as lobbyists should be a no-go as well. Uh, And Brad, I will say now, as we sort of venture off into the uh, remainder of our our week here, uh, Cameroon, Brad, Cameroon has just picked up a uh, silver medal in billiards. So again, the Olympics are off
1: to a flying start. Which I think is something we will all applaud. And while we're in the process of applauding this week's episode, let me say that we will see you right back here next week on IP Frequently.
0: This has been IP Frequently. Once again, clearing a forest of lies with the machete of truth. You're welcome.